0: This is God's Word, Colossians chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 2 through 9. Starting in verse 2, the Apostle Paul writes these words, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear and which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him also Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. And they both will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Praise God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the reading and the hearing of the word. Thank you for the worship of your people, Jesus. We are who you say we are. What an encouragement that is. Lord, if we live our lives based off of what we think about ourselves or what other people say about us, we would be super discouraged this morning. But we don't live by... Our performance, and we don't live by our own expectations. We don't live by the critiques of others. We live by the good news of Jesus, that he died for us, that he rose again for us, and that all sinners who believe in him by faith have the encouragement of eternal life. The Lord, nothing can take that away from us. It's the good news for a reason. If it could be taken from us, it wouldn't be good news anymore. But Lord, thank you for the gospel. May it speak to us. May this passage of scripture speak to our hearts. And oh God, may you use my weakness to glorify your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome to church and child dedication service. I love those. Really cool to get around new parents and younger parents and encourage them. And uh, May God lead all of us to encourage some of the parents that we saw up here to raise their kids in the nurture and admonition of God. We're in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9 this morning. And this is a a really cool passage. I'm excited to uh, talk with you about it. God has led many encouragers to come into my life. And that's a question I guess I would lead off the sermon with for you is can you remember people in your life who have been big encouragers to your soul? Hopefully all of you have at least one or two or three people that have poured into your life or who have encouraged you at the right moment. Um, Encouragement is a very powerful thing. As I was thinking back on my own Christian life, a lot of people, a lot of memories came to, to my mind. But when I was saved, I was 17 years old, and, and, and there's one specific memory that comes to my mind in this area of encouragement. It was the spring of 2001. That is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Can I get an amen? I mean, Jinko jeans were in, Doc Martin shoes were like this big, and I guess they're back now, Docs are back, you know, every 22 years or so. And it, I was a new Christian. I was less than two years into my walk with God. And my love for God was super high. My knowledge base was super low. So I, I loved the Lord. I was growing in the Lord. But like this whole idea of, of serving God, doing things for Christ, that was still a really new thing for me in my mind. And so I was asked by my pastor at that time, to share a testimony or a devotional to the church. And I went to a smaller church. And so I was like, sure, I'll do that. And I was really nervous. I got up. I shared from the Word of God as best as I knew how to that small little church. And it took me four minutes and 23 seconds from start to finish. Some of you are praying that this morning's sermon... It's four minutes and 23 seconds. And some of you are like, Pastor, you got about a minute left. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. So I remember it was four minutes and 23 seconds very clearly because my friend Chris was in the front row timing it. He was doing the timing thing. And so when I got done, four minutes and 23 seconds felt like an eternity. I mean, it felt like it was forever that I was up there talking And I got down, I was sweating and crying and just kind of like, I don't even know what happened. But in our church, the tradition was you go back to the back of the sanctuary and you greet people on the way out. And so I did that and the little old ladies started lining up to greet the speaker on the way out. And praise God for little old ladies in churches, hallelujah. And I'm greeting people and I'm getting some encouragement, some feedback was really good. But one particular older lady, she came up to me and she, you know, she was kind of bent over like this and she's looking at me and I'm like, oh boy. And she comes up to me and she says, young man. I'm like, yes. She, she put out her finger and she said, that was a blessing to my heart. And I said, oh, okay, this is good. And she said, God's hand is on you. And you better be obedient. That encouragement, I still remember crystal clear like it was yesterday. Encouragement is a powerful thing, amen? It is a powerful thing. And encouragement is the theme of our sermon this morning. As you remember, we are going through our Family Matters sermon series. And all January, we are talking about biblical family atmosphere. And we are talking about this as a cultural value of our church, and we hope and pray that 2023 at Living Waters will be a year where you get serious about discipleship in your life. Where you get serious about being a biblical family together with other Christians and with your own physical family. We are praying that this would be the year we don't slide on the surface, we dive deep with one another and with God. And my sermon title this morning is simply one word. It's called encouragement. Encouragement. Encouragement is a powerful thing. We see this in Colossians chapter 4. As the Apostle Paul is finishing this letter to the Colossian church, they are a church that needs encouragement. Encouragement. The Colossian church is, is, is a church that Paul has actually never, ever even visited. He wrote the letter in sixty one from a prison cell in Rome, and he is writing this letter to this church to encourage them in the battles that they are facing as a church. And the battle that the Colossian church is facing is they are being attacked, they are being assaulted spiritually regarding the deity of Jesus Christ. People are coming into the church and they are telling the church that Jesus isn't actually God. Does that sound familiar? Can I get a Jehovah's Witness amen or a Mormon amen? It's like that type of movement was coming into the church of the Colossians and they were fighting to to remain true to Jesus and to doctrine. And so Paul is writing to them and in Colossians, if you read this letter, it is probably the most beautiful and the most distinct and the most concentrated truth about Jesus being the exalted Son of God and being God of gods that you will read in the whole New Testament. And at the end of Colossians 4, Paul encourages this, this Christian body. He encourages the church, and they needed it. Here's the question that I have for you. Do you need encouragement this morning? Yes, you do. Everybody needs encouragement this morning. How do I know that? Because I know that you're a sinner like me, and I need encouragement every single day that I walk with Jesus. Don't you? And I know that there are tribulations and trials, and there's things that you you did and things you didn't do that are all piling up, and they lead you to be anxious, and they lead you to be burdened, and they lead you to be discouraged. So we need encouragement, right? We need courage poured into us every day. The other reason I know that you need to be encouraged is not theological at all. It is practical. I woke up in Iowa this morning. As did you. And you woke up to this white, powdery substance on your cars and on your driveway, and it discouraged you, right? For 99% of you, you woke up and like, well, this is annoying. How many inches of snow did we get last night? Annoying number of inches of snow. It's not like, oh, I got to go scoop a bunch. It's just like, oh, that is annoying. I hope it melts by this afternoon. Can I get an amen? I don't want to do that. But for those of you who plow snow, you didn't, you weren't annoyed. You were like, oh, that's money. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, it is. But everybody needs encouragement. Every single person in this room needs encouragement because discouragement is what drives our lives. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. Did people in the Bible get discouraged? Yes, they did. Can I introduce you to a few stories of discouragement where people in the scriptures needed encouragement from God? Here's one, Elijah. This amazing hero called Elijah, 1 Kings 19, right after the big victory at Mount Carmel, Elijah is running high and hot for God. He is doing a great job. 400 false prophets of Baal were pushed to the side. God answered from heaven and and consumed the, the altar. He goes back to Jerusalem to claim his victory. And then he gets a woman talking to him, Jezebel. Jezebel says, hey, if you're not dead by this time tomorrow, something something wrong happened. And Elijah splits because his expectations are shattered. He goes into the wilderness and he asks God to take his life. You think he's discouraged? Yeah, I think he's discouraged. What about Jonah? You ever heard of that guy, Jonah? In Jonah chapter four, Jonah is this, this kind of reluctant evangelist. And he goes to Nineveh and he shares the gospel not because he wants to, but because God swallowed him in a fish to make him go there. And he preaches this sermon and everybody responds. It's the greatest revival the city has ever seen. And instead of being like Billy Graham, all excited about it, Jonah is at the top of the mountain, angry, discouraged. That's the wrong preaching response, right? If everybody gets saved this morning, I as a preacher am pretty excited right? Praise the Lord. We had a lot of people get saved. That's great. Jonah is sitting on top of the hill thinking, I wish they'd all burn. What is wrong with this guy? God confronts him and he says, Jonah, you don't have any right to be discouraged or angry. And Jonah says, yes, I do. I knew you would forgive. I knew you'd be compassionate, God. I have every right to be angry. He was discouraged. How about Naomi in Ruth chapter two? Naomi is this woman who loses her husband, loses both of her kids. And she has this daughter-in-law, Ruth, who just follows her along and says, I I believe in God, I'll follow you. He's like, ah, okay. And she goes back to Israel, and everybody's like, oh, hey, Naomi, you're back. Don't call me Naomi, girls, call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. I'm discouraged. She renamed herself Bitterness. Now look, Elijah, Jonah, Naomi, these are just 3, there's hundreds in the Bible. If these spiritual giants need to be encouraged by God and restored to God, how much more do average Christians like you and me need encouragement in our lives? Fortunately, God is a God of encouragement. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 9 says God is the God who encourages the downhearted The word encouragement in this passage in Colossians 4 is a beautiful word. It means to come up alongside or to walk next to. So really, if you're going to encourage somebody else, you're going to walk next to them. You're going to walk with them. That's the idea of encouragement. It's a beautiful word. It means to exhort or to give joy or to comfort. Gospel encouragement is almost exclusively tied from person to person. If you're going to be encouraged, 99 times out of 100, another human is going to come encourage you. Now, at times, there'll be an angel that comes to encourage, or God will do it directly. But most of the time, God will use people to encourage you and you to encourage people. I don't quote John Maxwell very often, hardly at all, at this church, but I do like his quote here. I do like it. Everyone has the potential to become an encourager. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to... Have it all together. All you have to do is care about people and initiate. Amen. That's good. Encouragement is found throughout the Bible. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says, But encourage one another every day as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin hardens the heart. Encouragement keeps the heart soft. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, Therefore encourage one another. And build each other up just as you were doing. Romans 15, 4. Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. Jesus, you heard of that guy before? Jesus? He was an encourager. We'll, We'll talk about him at the end. But he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart be encouraged. I have overcome the world. Praise the Lord. Now, if you receive encouragement once or occasionally, that's a good thing. But if you get encouragement daily or weekly, if you come to a church that encourages you on the weekly or on the daily, that is worth its weight in gold. That is eternal life. Amen? If you can be around Christians that encourage you, that is amazing. And healthy churches, here's my big idea for the sermon this morning. Healthy churches and healthy Christians have an atmosphere of gospel encouragement. How do you know you're going to a healthy church? How do you know you are a healthy Christian? If you hang out with other Christians and other churches and churches that you go to that encourage you, they have an atmosphere of encouragement, okay? Now, probably brings a question to your mind. How in the world does God do that then? How does God develop an atmosphere of gospel encouragement in his church? How does that happen in my life? Well, here's what Paul is going to say. I'm going to give you three elements of encouragement that God uses to develop an atmosphere of gospel encouragement. So I'm going to give you three elements this morning that God uses to develop an atmosphere of gospel encouragement. Element number one is this, human speech. God develops an atmosphere of encouragement through human speech. Verse six, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. God uses human speech to develop the atmosphere of gospel encouragement. He uses your words. Paul points to believers to use their speech For encouragement, Paul tells Christians, use your mouth to build up, not tear down. Use your words to build up, not to tear down. Christian, how did you do this week? How did you use your mouth? To build others up or to tear others down? John MacArthur said, speech will reflect what kind of person one is. Let your speech... Be encouraging. So, some of you are like, I feel really guilty right now. Okay, that's fine. You should. I do too. If you look at your last week, you're probably a mixed bag. Sometimes you used your speech to build others up. Sometimes you were a potty mouth this week and you tore other people down. And this is the time to get it right. This is the church house. Amen? It's good. Let your speech, the word speech there is personal talk. Let your personal conversations be encouraging and gracious and seasoned with salt. Healthy churches are filled with encouraging personal conversations. How do you know the church is a healthy church? When people hang out to encourage each other. You know what's beauty to my ears? Music to my ears? When everybody hangs out after church and just talks. Because I know that's really cool. When that, what's happening there is fellowship. What's happening is encouragement. Right? That's a good thing. And that is what we need to be engaging in. Let your speech be gracious. The word gracious there is is the idea of wholesome or kind or gentle or truthful or attractive. Again, John MacArthur says it this way. To speak grace means to say what is spiritual, wholesome, fitting, kind, sensitive, purposeful, complimentary, gentle, truthful, loving, and thoughtful is your speech attractive to others or does your speech drive people away? Is your speech something that people look forward to talking to you or do they run away? Which one are you? Like, oh, there's Josh. I can't wait to go talk to him because he's an encourager. Or is it, oh man, there's Josh. Run for the hills. I'm about ready to get a bad dose of speech, right? Which one are you? Well, Hopefully, you're, you're a person with a gracious mouth because Jesus has changed your mouth. Seasoned with salt. Your speech should be gracious and seasoned with salt. Now, this is speech that is tasty or enriching. Salt both preserves and adds flavor to your words. And you're like, well, salt, Josh, I mean, salt. What does that even mean? Like, you want my speech to be salty? You know, have sodium on it? Here's the modern equivalent Chick-fil-A sauce, okay? Let your speech be seasoned, sauced with God's heavenly nectar called Chick-fil-A sauce. When people talk to you, they should talk to you like a piece of chicken being dumped into Chick-fil-A sauce and brought back to the mouth. It's a good experience. Okay? If you've met Jesus, your speech should enrich the lives of those people around you. It should, it should absolutely add joy to the people around you. When you come into the conversation, people should be like, yeah, yeah, that person's coming to the conversation. There's going to be a lot of good added to this talk. Now, this is the first element. And let me just say this. Your speech is a choice. You are not a victim of your circumstances. You are not a victim of someone else Talk to me wrong you choose to let Jesus control your mouth or you let Satan or the world control your mouth and the choice is yours. I'm not asking you to be perfect as a, as a pastor. I'm asking you to be sensitive to Jesus. And here's what I mean. It's a choice. I was at a Lincoln basketball game a couple years ago and I'm gonna leave out all names and identities just to keep everybody safe here. But it was a pretty intense basketball game. And Lincoln's opponent was, was, was super intense. And Lincoln was intense. And so you know student sections are talking back and forth at each other. And here we go, right? And it, it was coming down to the wire. And everybody's super tense. And the student section starts yelling at the other side. And they start doing, you know, things that they do at sports games. Which is really kind and gentle gestures of love and unity and all that. And so... So they're saying stuff to the other crowd, and then the other crowd is saying stuff back. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. So I was just like watching it happen back and forth. And I look over to my left, and in the crowd that's yelling back at the student section are Christians, professing believers that I know to be professing believers. And they are the filthiest mouth and they're, they're blankety blanking and blankety blanking the student section at Lincoln. And I looked at those individuals and I'm like, that's why people don't believe in Christianity. Because here you are saying, oh, I got my Jesus stuff, on. Oh, I'm Jesus, I love Jesus, and I profess Jesus, and then all of a sudden you are railing a blue streak to the opposing sideline and you're like, what? what's up? Now, before you feel all high and mighty or before I feel all high and mighty about myself, how many times have I thought that and not said it? How many times have I joined the chorus of boos at any Iowa Hawkeye game I've ever been to? How many times have I criticized refs? How many times have I opened my mouth to just be critical and to let my mouth be used for bad, dark purposes? So I'm not saying this here's to, to try, try to say, hey, be perfect. Here's what I'm saying. Be different. Be led by the Spirit of God. If we're going to have an atmosphere of encouragement, it starts with us controlling our speech and using our speech for Jesus' glory. You said some bad words this week? Repent, confess, get it right at the end of service. That's what I'd encourage you to do. But the element of encouragement starts with your speech. Second element is intentional steps. The second element that builds an atmosphere of encouragement is intentional steps. Verses seven and eight. Tychicus, verse seven, will tell you all about my activities. I have sent him to you, verse eight, that he may encourage your hearts. God uses intentional steps to develop an atmosphere of gospel encouragement. God, Paul intentionally sent this guy named Tychicus to to give an update on the ministry to encourage the hearts of the Colossian churches. So it wasn't that Paul was just writing a letter. He's saying, hey, I'm sending a guy to you, and this guy is going to encourage your hearts. That's cool. You know what that is? Intentional. Paul's not like, oh, I'm hoping by accident. Maybe Tychicus will come. I don't know for sure. He's not really faithful. He's kind of slow traveler. Maybe he'll get there. Maybe he won't. No, he's like, he's faithful. He's faithful. He's going to get there and he's going to encourage you. And this is intentional. And, and Tychicus does this not only for Colossian church, he does it in Ephesians 6.21. He's mentioned in Acts 20 and Titus 3 and Second Timothy 4. And he is absolutely intentionally sent by Paul to encourage the church. Encouragement is an intentional step that you take towards another person. And I could just say this, leaders aren't leaders in a vacuum. Paul is impacting the lives of many people, but he's doing it through servant-hearted encouragers like Tychicus going and encouraging. If I'm a good pastor at all, it's not because I am everybody's savior of everybody's Jesus. If I'm a good pastor, it's because I have great encouragers around me that go and intentionally connect with other people that I can't get to. Does that make sense? And here's what I mean by that. Nobody intentionally encourages at Living Waters better than Andy Biddle. Andy Biddle just ran our counseling conference. And if you were there, you were encouraged by that conference. I was deeply encouraged. I mean, that, that was like our best conference. Andy asked me, well, what was your feedback? I'm like, that's our best conference by far. It was so encouraging. And here's the thing about Andy Biddle. Andy Biddle is faithful as the morning. Because I'm the idea guy. Like, oh, that's a crazy idea. We should try that. And Biddle's like, I never even thought of that. That's ridiculous. But you know what Biddle is? Biddle's faithful. Hey, Biddle, would you go call this person? Would you go, would you go call on this person? Would you go to the hospital? And Biddle's like, yep, 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 yep. You know why? He's faithful. He's Tychicus. He's just this guy that goes. And he's so encouraging to our body. Amen? Can we, can we, I, yeah, I just want to say thank you to Andy Biddle. He's shaking his head. <laughs> Typical kiss response. Don't bring me up. He's so encouraging. And look, there's not, it's not only Andy, right? There's so many other people that are here that are just faithful, faithful, faithful to take intentional steps towards other people. And I don't just want to call out pastors, but I don't want to call out all the members' names because I don't want to offend anybody if I leave somebody out. So here's the thing. Andy is like the example that I'm using so that I can tell all of y'all that you're all doing a great job. And I thank God for you. Because encouragement is intentional. Now, what do I mean? Well, it's an intentional trip to somebody's house. Sometimes you just got to take a trip to somebody's house, see where they live, check out their apartment, check out their duplex, check out their house, be with them. That's what Christians do for each other. Sometimes, you know, our... You know how good our church is at providing meals for people? It's ridiculous. Meal trains get filled up in I, I'm convinced 2.7 seconds. We put a meal train out there and it's like ba-da-da-da-da. you are covered for meals till, you know, July. Ridiculous. It's good. It's intentional. It's intentional. It's intentional meals together. Some of the greatest transformations happen when you open up your, your dinner table. It's intentional phone calls. It's intentional letters or cards. It's intentional hospital visits. It's intentional prayer time. When we understand that this this is so intentional, you guys, a biblical family atmosphere of encouragement comes when a bunch of Christians are intentional with one another. And again, I'm not saying perfect. There is no such thing as perfect intentionality across the church. You're not going to have no misses. Sometimes you're going to miss some things, but you know what? The purpose is not perfection. Jesus is the only perfect one. The purpose is intentional obedience to Christ. And I thank God for our church. I thank God for our church and what we're doing for one another. And oh, may God empower us to do even more in the days to come. So, That's element number two. The third element is this, multiple sources. The third element of of an atmosphere of encouragement is multiple sources. Verse nine, and with him, that's the phrase, and with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will tell you everything that has taken place here. God uses multiple sources or multiple people to develop an atmosphere of gospel encouragement. So the words, and with him, we already talked about Tychicus. Paul is now going to launch into nine other incredible gospel partners and ministry workers who are by his side, all with different personalities, all with different gifts. Onesimus in verse 9. If you don't know Onesimus, he is a miracle of God's grace. He's the hero of the book of Philemon. He is the slave who came to Christ and was sent back to his master. Aristarchus, in verse 10, he is an incredible lover of Christ and the church. Mark, in verse 10, is the cousin of Barnabas. Justice, in verse 11, is not justice to clean, okay? According to, contrary to popular opinion, it is a different guy, co-worker with Paul. Epaphras, in verse 12, is an amazing church planter and prayer warrior in the church of Colossae. So Paul is telling the church, look, there's all these other people. And the, and the grace of encouragement comes not just through me and not just through Tychicus, but it comes through all these other individuals, all with different personalities and with different um, means. And at different times and in different ways, the encouragement lands through these individuals. Which means healthy churches are filled with great encouragers. If we're a healthy church, tons of people are going to encourage one another with different personalities and different places of perspective. Here's what I mean. You can be a tall encourager or a short encourager. Amen? God doesn't really discriminate. If you're tall, great. You can be a great encourager. Short, awesome. White-skinned or brown-skinned, you can be a great encourager. God doesn't really care. He wants your heart. Men and women can be great encouragers, young and old, prayer warriors. And then sometimes God just brings people into your life that you didn't expect at the right time. And you're like, oh my goodness, what timing. And the, you're like, oh, you're like God to me. You're like an encouragement to me. And the people are like, I don't know. Just, just, this is the moment I got, I just, yep, we're just having a conversation. You ever been there? Happened just the other night, Friday night. We're walking into the counseling conference And Danielle and I are walking in, and there's this other couple walking in. And we get the door for them, and, hi, how are you? Good evening. And we walk in, and the guy starts, like, his eyes get real big, and he's like, oh, my goodness. Look at this place. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Don't you love our grocery store church? I'd never met the guy before. He's like, yeah, this is, this is incredible. He just kept saying like, this is amazing. Look at, look at what has happened. And I'm like, yeah, this is refreshing to get like first eye. I don't even know you. What's your name? And this, so he introduced himself and we started talking like, what's your connection? Why, why are your eyes getting all big about the building? And he was just like, well, I, I was the assistant manager at this store you guys, the assistant manager came to our counseling conference. How awesome is that? And he's like, I was here the last two years before the store closed. And I'm like, Aw, awesome. And he's like, this is, this is mind blowing. I said, you ain't seen nothing yet, man. I'll give you the whole tour. And so we did, we did the tour and, and we start walking around and he's just like, yeah, this was like, aisle seven. And this is the produce area. And I'm like, ain't no more. Ain't no more. Ain't no more. (laughs) And this is the back freezer. This is where we did our staff stuff. This is where we did that. Ain't no more. Ain't no more. It's all different now. And he's like, I can't believe this. This is wonderful. Crazy. And he said, at the end of the tour, he was like, hey, I got to ask you, how are you doing with like, you know, gangs and violence and like people showing up to your vandalize your building and stuff, and I'm like, nothing, man. I mean, a few little things, but nothing. He's like, that's amazing. I'm like, divine protection. Amen. And I said, secondly, nobody is going to steal liquor from our store either, (laughs) because we don't really have that problem, right? I mean, we still do juice, you know, for communion. We don't even do wine. So, like, there's no liquor to steal, so that helps. And there's nothing really to steal necessarily, right? And he was just like, that's, that's just so crazy. And here's the thing. He started giving me, like, the, the breakdown of the financials from the last two years. And he's like, yeah, we lost this much this quarter, this much this quarter, this much this quarter. We lost this annually. And I'm like, what in the world? I got to hear these numbers for the first time, and my first response to him was, well, I guess we overpaid for the building. (laughs) My second response was, what an amazing God thing that we are here at this time, at this place, in this neighborhood, seeing God do all these things. When fairway says, we out, living water says, we in, let's go. So praise the Lord. That encouragement came out of nowhere. I didn't ask for that conversation. I didn't pre-program that conversation. We arrived at the parking lot at a certain time and they arrived at the parking lot at a certain time. And we just happened to be walking in together, just happened to be walking in together. And God had an encouragement ready me that's carried me through the weekend you guys god will use different people at different times in your life to bring you encouragement at the exact right moment that you need it god will provide and as i close the sermon i just want to tell you about the greatest encourager that i know and his his name is not paul and his name is not Josh Daggett, and his name is not any of your names. His name is Jesus. The greatest encourager in all the world, whoever lived, was Jesus Christ. And I want you just to think about the things that he said that are so ridiculously encouraging. Don't believe me, believe Jesus. He said this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. How wonderfully encouraging is a man who will come find blue-collar people and say, you, just come follow me. I'll change your life. For every person who's a believer in Christ, isn't that what he did? Isn't that what he did in our lives? He just came and said, you, follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. I'll do it. What about this one? It is I. Fear not. Do not be afraid. How encouraging is that? It is I. I'm here. I'm walking on water. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. What about this one? Believe in God. Believe also in me. Walk by faith, not by sight. Don't give in to what you see. Believe Christ by faith. What about this encouragement? I go to prepare a place for you. Anybody been thinking about heaven lately? I've been thinking about heaven a lot this week. I go to prepare a place for you? How encouraging. How encouraging is that when you're cleaning your house? How awesome is that? I got a a heavenly house coming. You don't have to clean any toilets there. Praise the Lord. What about this one? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That's encouraging. No other way other than Jesus. Last one. Hebrews 13. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Doesn't that make the gospel the greatest news in the world? If God comes to you, comes inside you, and then he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, he'll never walk away from you, we need encouragement. If Jesus is the one who died and rose again, he loves us more than we ever could imagine. He won't leave us. Healthy Christians and healthy churches have an atmosphere of gospel encouragement. You guys encourage me. You encourage me. I praise the Lord for every one of you. I hope Jesus encourages you the same way. I hope I'm a blessing to you as well, but I hope Jesus even more. The atmosphere of gospel encouragement comes through human speech, intentional steps, and multiple sources. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for the love that you give us, Lord, through the word. Thank you that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, Christ. Thank you that this atmosphere of encouragement is so real at our church. It's so powerful, so good. Lord, we're the first to admit that we're not perfect and that we've got a lot of sin and pride. And Lord, there's there's dark speech that came out of our mouths this week. There's darkness that sin that creeped into our hearts this week that we need to repent of and Lord as we do that we celebrate the good changes that Jesus has made in our lives he has saved us he has called us to be encouragers to be intentional to be life givers with our speech Lord to be encouragers of those around us God for some in this room, they don't know Christ yet. They haven't, they haven't repented and believed personally in Jesus. And what I pray that, Jesus, you would encourage those lost people to believe for the first time, that you would do it, Jesus. So Lord, thank you. We're so grateful. We're responding with gratitude, tears of gratitude, raised hands, singing. Lord, that's how we're going to respond. May you Receive all of the glory and all of the worship. In Christ's name, Amen.